can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Go tell that long tongue liar. Go and tell that midnight rider. Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter. Tell 'em that God's gonna cut 'em down. Tell 'em that God's gonna cut 'em down. Well, my goodness gracious, let me tell you the news. My head's been wet with the midnight dew. I've been down on bended knee, talking to the man from Galilee. He spoke to me with a voice so sweet. I thought I heard the shuffle of angels' feet. He called my name and my heart stood still. When he said, "John, go do my will. Go tell that long-tongued liar. Go and tell that midnight rider. Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter. Tell 'em that God's gonna cut 'em down. Tell 'em that God's gonna cut 'em down." You can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Well, you may throw your rock, hide your hand, working in the dark against your fellow man. But as sure as God made black and white, what's done in the dark will be brought to the light. You can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Go tell that long-tongued liar. Go and tell that midnight rider. Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter. Tell 'em that God's gonna cut you down. Tell 'em that God's gonna cut you down. Tell 'em that God's gonna cut you down. Well, we're back. This is Ralph Kermit Winter Road with the Ralph Winter Road Show, coming to you live out of Alaska. <coughs> Can you believe what is going on in America? We have. A bioweapon that's being administered by the quote what we call our government, by the hospitals, by the doctors, by corporations, by businesses, and it's all about the money. I was listening to a guy on life insurance called in. He said they life insurance policies are up forty percent. Forty percent more people are dying. He said, "In a 200-year, a 10% would be uh, uh, unbelievable. 40%. They have no way to even comprehend that in their statistics." And I said, "Also, I think it was 18 to some 48 or something like that. The number of people dying in that is up 50 to 60%, depending on the actual uh, that are dying now since we've started the, the bioweapon. What do you think might be a cause of that?" Those are major increases in deaths. 40, 50, 60% more people dying of that age? What do you think? Are we that stupid? I don't know. It boggles the mind. 
what they did in 1934. They got around and they said, oh, every, all the laws are gone. We don't use them anymore. We're going to have substantive rights. That was in 1934. And I was trying to find out, well, what are substantive rights? Well, but it says, you know, as long as it doesn't be all, I can bring it up so I can actually read it here. And I was trying to figure out, okay, what does that really mean? I want to know, I want to have a real thorough understanding of what they're talking about here. Because here's what it said. This is 48, this is when they really did a number. 48 stat 1064. 48 stat 1064, June 19th, 1934. It says we're going to get around and have a procedure and actions at law. Said rules shall neither abridge, enlarge, nor modify substantive right of any litigant. Okay, so we're going to do it as long as we don't screw with substantive rights. Okay, what's that mean? They shall take effect six months after their promulgation. Thereafter, all laws in conflict therewith shall be of no further force and effect. Really? All laws? Just before... Roosevelt come in, the old president that was leaving, he got around and repealed on the last day a thousand and six statutes. What do you think was going on? Think he wasn't in on it, Humphrey? Of course he was. But what's this mean? Substantive rights. Shall not enlarge or do anything with substantive rights and they're getting rid of everything else. So what are we what's going on today? Well, I stumbled across it the other day. This just this stuff just like I say just keeps coming so that I can understand it as soon as I saw it <clears throat> I knew what the issue was that's right in Black's Fourth I use Black's Fourth a lot or Black's Six substantive law that part of the law which creates there's a key word defines and regulates rights Whoa! As opposed to, quote, objective and remedial law, end quote, which prescribes the method of enforcing the rights and obtaining redress for their invasion. So, substantive law, substantive rights, we are creating the right, we are defining the right, and we're regulating the right. I'll think inalienable rights are regulated. I don't think the right to bear arms is regulated. If we knew what was going on. Free speech, all these things. What they're talking about. When you create a right, anything that created by the legislature or Congress is a hundred percent under its control and it's called a benefit. It's statutory law. And that's a fact, easily proven so many times over. If you create it, and then we define it, and we regulate it, there it is. In a, just a long sentence. Versus the objective and the other, where we actually have a right, and we have a place to get a, a remedy against it. So what they did in 1934, they created the administrative state. Then in 1935, this is Congress now, doing a con. They created the Federal Register Act. 
And they said, anything of general applicability, legal effect by a federal agency shall be in the Federal Register. It shall be judicially noticed. This is it's called administrative legislation. I found it in the Senate uh, document 348. By the way, I'm going to get my hands on interlibrary loan. Pierce and Davis, uh, administrative law treaties, 2,200 pages, 1,350 bucks to buy it. If they'll even sell it to the peasants, it's the Bible for all these judges. Yes. I'm going to have a copy of it soon. That's in our law, in our library. I have to go to the library and then I'll cut that. Let me check it out or I'll copy it there. I want to know what they're doing. You want to know what's going on? You can read their playbook. It helps. I love confessions. I love to know what they think they're doing. And I'm going to have it. Hasn't showed up in Wasilla Library yet. The Gallo, I called him uh, yesterday, uh, Friday. And, uh, oh, it was actually Saturday I called him yesterday. And uh, the gal's been off, so it'll I should have it maybe within a week. But here we have, this is what they did. They swapped over 1934 civilly to substantive law. They're creating rights. They're defining their rights, and they're regulated. That's called a benefit. I just read you what happens to a benefit. We can give you a remedy. We can withhold a remedy. We can give you the wrong remedy. The only solution is quit taking the benefit. <clears throat> well, who are they talking about? Citizens of the United States, federal citizens. How can everybody in every one of the states be a citizen of the United States? They talk about, just like the people of the several states in the Constitution, there's all types of, I mean, thousands of, of being a citizen of Texas, a citizen of Kansas. Where do those folks go? Do they, do they go away? No. That's why everything that is comes from the government on a farm is tied to being a citizen of the United States someplace. Your driver's license goes back to the National Voter Registration Act. And two hops. I signed up as a citizen of Alaska. They didn't object. And if you want to get your status right, you do not put down your national. That's BS. It's defined as oh, an allegiance to a state, and a state is D.C. and Guam. That's a citizen of the United States. And if y'all want to go over there, have a nice life. You have to be a citizen of one of the several states. I have a status document. It's been a couple of years old. I need to update it, but I got a lawsuit I'm working on right now. But I'm oh, those all this stuff. There's only one of me, and I got so much information now. It's just I don't know what to say. But I am. They're trying to take my land, and I am backing up the. Our Alaska bar took over our government in Alaska in 1974. I just did a FOIA to the Alaska Bar. They take an oath, Rule 5, Rule 64, and we can't see it anymore. And they're supposed to declare their citizenship. Well, I happen to have them. I've got them before they shut it down. They're too late. 
But you say, I learned something from the attorneys. Don't ask the question unless you know the answer. And then I get around and I find out that Matsu Burrow was not created in 1963 in a temporary and special act, which is private law. Really? And then I also found out that the Matsu Burrow has no public officers. Really? They won't answer them. Where's the oath? Says the public officer. They don't have any. So who the hell are you? They're a private entity. I'm backing them in the corner with lawyers, and then I'm going to take them to court. We're going to have some. We're going to have some fun. I'm unloading everything I have on the state of Alaska. We come equal footing with the other states instead of the original states. We have an integrated bar where the bar is part of the government. We don't have any separation of powers at all. We have no counties. When they did this temporary and special acts for this, they had a different name for it then. They gave them land. How is it that you can give land to a private entity? I wonder how that works. And then we have a constitution for the state of Alaska. Isn't that amazing? Four, for the benefit. We have another problem, you see. They do their foreclosures in the administrative state courts where they have, they rename the courts, rename the venue for the Alaska bar, and then we can't see anything that they're doing over there. So the question becomes, uh, do you do foreclosures in the third district in the Superior Court of Alaska that I have evidence existed, it's still in the code, I have the law, has it been changed, and I have where it was used up to 1974. Uh, <clears throat> I got a problem. That's just the beginning of it. We have a legislature in Alaska that are residents of Alaska. We have an executive that are citizens of the United States. We have a judiciary that are citizens of the United States and the state. I said, okay, where's your evidence? Well, we can't tell you that. Really? Where's your civil commission? We don't do those anymore. I got that in writing. It's in the statute. It's in the Constitution. So how did who the hell are you? How did you get in that position? It's going to be interesting. And this is what's going on with the internal revenue criminals, because this, this is unbelievable. They created the federal agencies. General applicability, legal effect. And everything has got to be judicially noticed. That means there's no further evidence. You can't argue it's a public record. This is the only way to fight federal agencies. You can use code till nonsense over. Because I found that in 1967, where even the crimes are 301 rigs, part 301, 5 U.S.C., 301, housekeeping, internal departmental regulations. They printed it all in 1937. You know the United States District Court is a 301 reg, 7402. Yeah, 26 USC, 7403. It's a for departmental use only. And it's for the internal revenue laws. It doesn't say laws in the United States. They're not lying. <coughs> I tried to find, they quit printing that, they just made it now 26 U.S.C. 7401. Well, I found in 1980 
They said, we're going to delete printing this because we don't need some of this stuff. It's already in the code. Doesn't change anything, though. Thank you. And I also found where they said, if we have a hyphen after a CFR, it means it's interpretive. Because I was wondering, why do they have all these hyphens? Just stumble across it. Because we have 6331, 301, this is your lean, levy, uh, the straight where they take your stuff, 626 USC, 6331. You go in, you got a, a 301, 6331 1. You got a 301, 6331 2. You got a dash 3, dash 1. What the hell? What's that dash? Oh, that means it's interpretive. Court just said over. If it's interpretive, it's irrelevant. It's some idiot's interpretation internally used. Who cares? Has no application to us. There are 706 301, part 301 regs of Title 26. The notice of deficiency where you can't be tax evasion without notice of deficiency. 7201, I think it is. But it's one of the essential elements. They never, nobody ever brings it up in court. Well, we're just doing knowing. We don't use that word notice of deficiency even though it's an essential element. Seven, okay, so we have a notice of deficiency. That's where the con says, oh, you owe us money. Then they have to do an assessment. That's a 6203. That's a 301, Rick. Then we have a lien, levy, and restraint. That's a 6331. That's a 301. And then we have a court, United States District Court, 7402, and it's a 301, Rick. All internal smoke and mirrors nonsense. And nobody brings it up, and they print it. It's a public record. And they say you got to take judicial notice of it if it's in the Federal Register. And nobody's doing it. Why is that? I'm no John the Baptist, but I can probably relate to how John the Baptist, like crying in the wilderness, what the hell is wrong with these people? I'll give you evidence. I'll take on any lawyer, anybody. Just bring them on. Most of them don't even know how this whole thing works. <coughs> then to have force and effect, because this is like making a bill, an administrative legislative world. General applicability and legal effect. It has to be in the Federal Register. You have to go to the bottom of the Federal Register. And you check on one thing, 553B as in boy. If it's there, if all they'll have notice and comment, we'll have, we're using 553, it's, uh, it's uh, unnecessary, impractical, and not in the public interest. There's never an emergency declared, but it's all irrelevant anyway. Because you can't get anything that's, quote, supposed to be a, a, like a statute without public comment. Found that finally. So I can eliminate that in, in, uh, without, uh, unnecessary, impractical, and not in the public interest. And they never declared the emergency. Now, if I, as a farm boy from Kansas, can debunk the Supreme Court stuff, we got a problem. This latest two on the COVID-19, one of them, they're talking about good cause. That's what they call it, good 
cause. <clears throat> That's just amazing. They call it good cause. That is impractical, unnecessary, not in the public interest, and there has to be an emergency. You know what the problem is with that? Why would you be talking about it when Congress said to OSHA, oh, you don't even need to worry about administrative legislation of the APA. Just put it in the Federal Register. The APA is the good cause. So why are they talking about good cause? It has nothing to do with nothing. OSHA is exempt, according to Congress. You just do whatever you feel like. They print it. It's in the Federal Register. It's in the damn act. And nobody brings it up. And then we have Sodomy Air talking about facts. When you get to the Supreme Court of the United States, there's only one thing at issue, law. God, the beginning law students know that. You don't talk facts, you talk law. She's talking facts and they aren't even facts. She's making it up. <coughs> she's that stupid, she can't even, if she's going to lie about facts, you'd think she'd at least get something close to the facts. No, it's all a lie. You just can't make this stuff up. The Supreme Court of the United States and these people are doing this stuff? Heaven help us, folks. We're in trouble. Roberts, he's gay. Can't trust him. He's probably a pedophile. Got a family, Davy kids. Uh, she's syndicated. She says, oh, he's gay. He's just got to cover family. He's probably a pedophile. We got Kagan. I remember Sotomayor Kagan, one of them has got a, a diabetes, and uh, she got because one of the justices won't wear a mask. She's working from home. Oh my God! I'm, I'm gonna, you gotta have a mask on. Are you that stupid? And you're clear at the Supreme Court level of the United States, and you don't know that masks are even the CDC now is saying they're garbage. They don't do anything. How do we get people at the top of the heap? Supposed to argue law. Thomas is one of the, the best premier when we had Scalia was there and they had to kill him. I think they definitely killed him. No autopsy, no nothing. Just like Vince Foster. He ends up in Marcy Park. <laughs> uh, no blood. Carpet fibers. It's not a problem. Hillary goes into the uh, in the first hour there's somebody in the, the uh, crime scene taking stuff out of the office oh that's no big deal we're in trouble but the bottom line is you don't fight evil unless you know what at least what they're doing and this is the thing. You cannot fight a federal agency using code because it has no application to them. They live in a world, their world, of the Federal Register. That's where they confess their sins and everything there is judicially noticed. It says so. The Federal Register Act was published two times, the written time and two more times in the Federal Register. The whole act was published. It's unheard of. 
But what's even more amazing that I found, let me bring this up, of the cons. So here's the overview. Congress says we want to, we can't get around the Constitution of the United States, the organic Bill of Rights 1 through 12. So we're going to create a citizen of the United States in 1866. The same rights as a white citizen. They still printed. I don't know why the these people that are so against all this discrimination, 42 USC 1981 and 1982, 42 USC 1981 and 1982, same rights as a white citizen? Sounds kind of discriminatory to me, but I don't know. I'm just a Kansas boy. <coughs> Why don't they deal with that? They don't. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to deal with it. So we create this general applicability legal effect. We use the federal agencies as a front. Because I have a module says the Supreme Court says what Congress cannot do directly, it can't do indirectly. Well, Congress can't make regulations for citizens of the United States. So we'll create another fiction. All these things sit outside the Constitution, almost without exception. They print it. They got to publish in the Federal Register. And the simple thing, general applicability, legal effect, if it ain't there, don't have nothing to do with you or me. Even if it is there, it still don't. But if it's not there, they're done. And it's judicially noticed. That means no other evidence. It's a public record. If it's going to apply to you and me, even though it's for only for citizens of the United States, It's got to pass the Administrative Procedures Act. I've never seen one yet. It has to say a proposed rule, not as a comment, you just search on 553B. That's it. <clears throat> if it ain't there, you're done. you got all kinds of variations. Some will have a proposed rule, so it's all over the place. And there has to be a final rule saying it's at 553B. And they have to wait 30 days. That's 553C or D. Three, three standards. Two of them, they can't get around. They can do it in less than 30 days and still probably make it fly. But that, there's not a, there's, I've never seen one yet because they can't. <clears throat> but what I discovered, which I'm going to bring up here, let me uh, get into that, is in five, United States Code, the 800 series. I like to fell out of my chair. When I saw this, I just could not believe what I'm seeing, and nobody is talking about this. This is 5, United States Code, 802, Congressional Disapproval Procedure. Now, I'd seen this before, but I'd never searched it out. And what it says in G, this is 5. USC 802G is in good. Number one. This section is enacted by Congress, an exercise of the rulemaking power of the Senate and House of Representatives. Congress is part of the rulemaking pro process. So what they did, 
They created federal agencies. They created the Federal Register Act, General Applicability Legal Effect, traditionally noticed, so it's its own little world. Then we created behind it the APA, the Administrative Procedures Act in 1946, to have force and effect of law, but nobody abides by it because they don't even know how it works. It's simple. He just starts on 553B that's in the code, proposed in final rules. When they say they're going to do it, they don't. You're done. But here's the killer. They're using these agencies as a front to make regulations, to control us, because nobody checks the validity of the APA. And the Supreme Court is off on a tangent where OSHA is exempt and they're talking about a good cause, which is the, uh, the thing where they can create interpreting without that's impractical, unnecessary, and not in the public interest and never declare the emergency. It has nothing to do with nothing. Because Congress said the APA is irrelevant. So why is the Supreme Court talking about it? Anyways, here we have, when they get through this, so we have agencies doing the rules in the Federal Register, you can take back in a minute. Listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Corporate media dominates the American opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. Hey, gang. Patrick Slattery here with an important message that is pertinent to anyone who shops for groceries, eats food, or just has an inquisitive mind like myself. What I'm about to introduce you to is a segment of our food culture that has been kept so low profile to the American public that virtually no one is aware of how dominant it is on our refrigerator and cupboard shelves. What I'm talking about is the kosher certification industry and the new app, Koshertified, that delivers a comprehensive education on all aspects regarding this little known practice. After reviewing this app, I found that it is useful for practically anyone who purchases food regardless of their religious faith or identity. Its database of products not kosher certified is a win-win convenience for all food-conscious people. So why not check out thekosherquestion.com or click on the link at nationalbugle.com and see how modifying your grocery shopping 
with the Coast Certified app can make a huge difference for your future. Extendivite has proven time and again it really works. Here's a testimonial from Amazon.com. I am only 40, but I have put my body through hell working in manufacturing for 20 years. I recently started to notice a buzzing feeling along with a stuttering sensation with my heart. I had a full cardio stress done, which I passed. I decided to try Extendivite after getting the jingle stuck in my head. Halfway through the bottle, I really did notice a difference. After getting home from work, I would just sit in a chair for a few hours feeling like crap, and this stuff reduced that feeling along with heart discomfort to almost nothing. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-D-R-O-P.com. Extend your life with Extendovite. And uh, what they did is then, this is 5 United States Code, 802. They said... Congress is part of the rulemaking process. This is where we can come in then. We use the front of the federal agencies. And then we can come in and put in a joint disapproval resolution. Right, a joint resolution of disapproval. I'm sorry, I got it backwards. It's important to get that right. This is 802. They're saying we're part of the rulemaking. That's why we can do it. Now, number one, they can't do this because if they're part of the rulemaking, they have a conflict of interest because they're doing indirectly what they can't do directly. Do you know how many people's ever brought that up? Nobody. Oh, it gets better. Then they get around, and this is in 5 United States Code 801. Now, we're part of the rulemaking process. This is in G again, 5 U.S.C. 801. If Congress does not enact a joint resolution of disapproval under Section 802 respecting a rule, no court or agency may infer any intent of Congress from any action or inaction of Congress with regard to such rule-related statute or joint resolution of disapproval. What they just say. So if we do disapprove of it, or we don't disapprove of it, you, and there's nothing to be gained. You can't hold us responsible. We're going to wash our hands of everything. You can't use it that we approved it or disapproved it. Oh, but it gets better yet. Then they go to 8 United States Code 805. No determination, finding, action, or admission under this chapter shall be subject to judicial review. So anything Congress does on a joint resolution disapproval, or does it do on a joint disapproval resolution, no court can look at it. And we're not to be held responsible for anything that this agency did that we approved, or anything the agency did that we disapproved. 
Really? And we're part of the rulemaking process, but we wash our hands. You can't hold us accountable because you see, if we did that, we would the whole administrative state would blow up. So a court can't look at it. Has anybody ever challenged any of this stuff? There's no notes of decisions in Westlaw. Nobody. Why? You know why? Because nobody reads. They don't teach these law students. And if you don't have Westlaw to search this stuff out, like I've said before, you're weeing in the wind. Because I do word searches. That's all I do. And I was just looking out because I kept seeing this where they weren't doing 553. And then they always say, well, we're not going to do this regulatory stuff because they also have, if it's uh, under $100 million, we don't got to worry about it. There's no effect if it's under $100 million for small entities and all this other nonsense. I said, I better check this out. And this is what I found. Then I also, on the 600 stuff, 5 U.S.C. 603. The initial regulatory flexibility analysis. Where, you know, we're spending money. Well, they, what they say here, it says, A, whenever agency is required by 553 of this section or, or now, any other law to publish general notice of proposed rulemaking for a proposed rule or, or now again, publishes a notice of proposed for an interpretive rule involving the internal revenue laws of the United States. They separate out that any time the IRS publishes an interpretive rule under the Internal Revenue Laws of the United States, not laws of the United States, first of all, and next it's interpretive rule, then they got to do whether it's going to cost any money. And they say, admit it, in another one, 603, same thing. <clears throat> they separate out interpretive rule from the Internal Revenue because there are no subsidy rules or legislative rules. They don't just all smoke. It's all departmental internal. 5 U.S.C. 301. This is what really pisses me off is all this COVID-19 because these lawyers live and die on definitions. Why aren't they defining what is who as a human subject? Are you a human subject? I don't think so. That's in the Federal Register under Homeland Security and under COVID and all that nonsense. They print it. And it's judicially noticed. They can't get around it. Why does somebody use it? I just really don't know. I, I sit and I just scratch my head. Why don't they use this? 83, the, first of all, 45 CFR, 46.101. 45 CFR, 46.101. To what does this policy apply? They're talking about the, the um, who is a, a for human subject research. It says human, who the protection of human research subjects, the policy. Who are we? Who are you a human subject? They print in the Federal Register. Under 83, FR 2893, 
83 FR 2893, July 22nd, 2018. They list all of the agencies, and they're all under 5 USC 301, right in the Federal Register, are the things for their policy of human subject. It's internal departmental regulations, and nobody has brought this up. They want clear to the Supreme Court on this other stuff. I downloaded everything there. I word searched it. Nobody is talking about who is a human subject. Isn't it kind of important? Am I susceptible? Am I under your authority that you can give me a bioweapon? Why is nobody bringing this up? I would really like to know an answer to that. I emailed some attorneys. I don't know, it was one of them at one of the appellate courts. Not a thing back. I emailed some of them again, and then most of them were blocked. They blocked me. They don't want to know. Or I'm just an old farm boy from Kansas that doesn't know how to read. It's your damn stuff. In the Federal Register, they print it. They list out the agencies. There it says, our, in, our legal authority is 5 U.S.C. 301. Our legal authorities is 5 U.S.C. 301. Departmental regulations. Look it up. That's what it says. I'll type, let's see what 5 U.S.C. 301. Here, let me type that into uh, Westlaw here. Get around. And let's just read it. 5 U.S.C. 301. See what it says. The head calls departmental regulations. The head of an executive department or military department may prescribe regulations for the government of his department, his department, the conduct of its employees, comma, the distribution and performance of its business, and the custody use and preservation of its records, papers, and property. This section does not authorize withholding information from the public or limiting the availability of public records to the public. Why didn't somebody have the time to do a FOIA to them and ask them who sold human subjects for this federal register? I don't know. I've got my hands full. I'm taking on the state of Alaska. I've got six or seven or eight of them. I don't even know. I'm going after the Department of Elections, the Alaska Bar, the Matsu Borough. Uh, hell with them all. We're at war here, folks. The Alaska Bar come back and said, oh, we can't tell you anything we're doing. Really? I got another set going to them. Then when we get to court, we'll see. The other thing that I discovered in the time we have left today, not only is the United States District Court Represent the judge represents the court, and the court is under the absolute control of Congress. They print it in two cases. What I discovered, though, was shocking. There is one Article Three court still in existence. It's the United States Court of Claims. In 1953, they actually said we are creating an Article Three court. And in 1982, they created, uh, they renamed it, created an overlay. They did not, did not repeal 
the part about Article 3 or the next section that says that the judge of the Supreme Court of things shall put somebody in that position. I couldn't believe it. I stumbled across that because I went into Westlaw to see, because you can go into a statute and see where it's been codified or repealed or whatever, and that was all nothing there. It's still alive and well, and I went into the 1982 Act. They didn't repeal it. So we still have a claim. You can go to the United States Court of Claims under Article 3 and the Supreme Court Justice or another one supposed to put somebody there. I'll be testing that shortly. I'm not sure where, which which case we're going to try that in. But we're going to be testing. It's there. It's their stuff. They have to have an Article 3 court. The only thing is there's no cases and controversies in that court because a case and controversy arises under Article 3. It has to exist. And I also found, if you want to believe it or not, in the first, you can find this on the Internet. You can check it out. Go into the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure. The very first one, Rule 1. Scroll down, 2000 and Amendment 2007. We now have law, equity, and admiralty is all united. We've now completed that. That's in their amendment. It's in the footnotes. Go look it up. Just type in the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure. Very first one, Rule 1. Because... <coughs> Now everything is in the United States District Court. And that is not the way it started out back in the 1940s. It said law and equity in the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure. Now, as of 19, I think it's 1980, it's uh, Amendment Number 2007, law, equity, and admiralty even has been successfully united. And they have just United States District Court in the thing. So when you go anything to do with the federal rules of civil procedure, United States District Court, you are using the judge represents the court and the court is under the plenary power of Congress. And you are using what's called substantive law where Congress creates the rights. Congress defines the rights. Congress gives you the remedies of the rights. And they print it. But you didn't know that, did you? I didn't either. I don't know if you did, but I sure the hell didn't. I couldn't believe it. This is like taking uh, the red pill and you're looking back on the matrix and I'm telling you, we're, we're in trouble, folks. Supreme Court has ruled over and over. We have to have an Article Three court with law and equity. But you know how they get around it? Because until we claim our status as a citizen of Texas or a citizen of one of the several states, it's not available. Because they've got us so brainwashed now, we will fight to join Congress's plantation to be a citizen of the United States, to get them their benefits and have no constitutional courts. I have to chuckle when they say they want to get around and, and nationalize the voter registration, it's already under the National Voter Registration Act of 1993. It's in Title 52. They only have elections for federal offices. It says so. There are no elections for state offices. Everybody's using it. It's right in your code. Just 
type in National Voter Registration Act of 1993 or send me an email for your state. I'll search it in the code and email it back. Real simple. Everybody, there are no elections for any public officers of the several states. That's where I got this municipality of Anchorage, or uh, uh, Matsu Borough. There's no public officers in that. It's a private entity. I'm backing them into a corner. That's private. So what are they doing going after my land that's tied to a land patent which says if it comes out of the Homestead Act, absolute title. So what do you have a legal title? You have an equitable title, which is the property. Legal is the right to control it. Equitable is the thing. Interest in properties, you'll have a contract on something. What is it? And they actually have an assurance uh, policy, so if they get sued. Isn't that amazing? Why would they need that if they're if they're all legal? I'm going to load test all this. If you get on the IRS list, two fifty a year, or email me at IRS at AlaskaMinuteMan.com. You can't afford it. Just tell me why, and I'll still add you. I'm trying to wake people up, and I'm trying to stay afloat financially. Somebody's got to do this. And that somebody's got to be you and me. I got no faith in courts, even the Supreme Court of the United States. It's just a, they're lying about so much stuff that's just, you can't make this up. I mean, how could I debunk their decisions in 10, 15 minutes? How could I do that? Why isn't anybody else debunking this? It's right there. It takes persistence to gain the truth, to read their stuff. It takes an ability to read it. I've been doing it a long time. Now I can just cut through the stuff like hot butter because I read it very, 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 very slowly. Because one word can make all the difference in the world. It's like the 17th Amendment. Each state instead of several states. One word. And everything changed. 
It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBtalk.com and join the social media revolution. Have you been looking for a trusted long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables, and meats are suitable for everyday use, and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. Our food is completely GMO-free, and our stringent quality controls, plus testing for heavy metals, makes us unique in the storable foods market. Simply Clean Foods' primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking. When you purchase from simplycleanfoods.net, not only will you be receiving high-quality food, but you will also be supporting veterans in need across the country and those who are affected by natural disasters. Right now, Amazon Prime members will receive fast two-day shipping. Go to simplycleanfoods.net. That's simplycleanfoods.net. But do it today. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. I'll tell you what, we've got some up in Alaska. We got a Anna Van Von Ryder or something like that is her name, lives over in Big Lake. She's thinks she's a judge, puts out a little stuff. She's a agent provocateur. We got a Dave Bartels. He went to Fairbanks. He played a judge and a guy that ended up in prison for 12 uh, years. We got a bunch of them up here that are claiming stuff. Beware, that's all I can tell you. You claim to be a national, you better watch out because you're you're going nowhere. I don't like I said I don't know where this nonsense is coming from and I really don't care. I've just got a couple of calls and said, Are you a national? No. National of the United States? Yes. That's on your passport, by the way, at the bottom. It used to be on the passports too. It said it said citizen or national of the United States. Because I'm not a citizen of the United States, but I owe permanent allegiance to the United States because I'm domiciled. So, of course, Alaska is not one of the several states. But they even print that, and uh, like we come in equal footing with the other states. Really, who's the other states? There's no separation of powers. There's nothing in Alaska. We have no counties. We have no sheriffs. All we have is corporate everything. It's really... The bar took over our courts. Can you believe that? The bar, the Alaska bar renamed them. They call them administrative courts. I'm not lying. Just go to the Alaska Bar Association, look on the beginning homepage. 
They admit it. Nobody reads. Another thing that I'm going to do, because we found out that these judges in America are tied into the, quote, American Inns, I-N-N-S, the American Inns of Court. The American Inns of Court. And that is tied into the bar in England. And they used to print all of the judges in America. They don't do that no more, of course. And we actually had somebody go to a meeting. They don't legally exist in Alaska with the Alaska bar in a public building with a mock court. Somebody from our organization went. They, they do exist. American ends of court. They're tied in to the bar in England. And they used to list all the judges. So that's one of the other questions I'm going to do in a FOIA. I want to know all the judges that are tied into or the members of the Alaska Bar that's tied into the American Inns of Court because we're not supposed to know that. There is a direct link and it's not under BAR for all that nonsense. It's under American Inns of Court. By the time I do a FOIA to them to get a list of all, I don't know what kind of an entity they are, if they're not for profit or something, or if they can, you can make them cough up. What are the names of the judges? I wish I'd have saved that. I've looked and I don't think I ever downloaded it, and I'm not sure why I didn't back then when I found it and saved it. But boy, it'd be worth a weight in gold right now. There was even some people in the Supreme Court of the United States that were a member of the American Inns of Court. We're in trouble. This is, it's its like being in hell. Everybody's lying to everybody all about money and power. But the truth shall set us free. And I'm telling you, if you're not reading Revelations, I think you might want to start looking at Revelations. It's not here. Oh boy, there's sure a lot of things happening that uh, gives you pause for cause. Nothing is what it seems. Anyway, God willing, we will see you next Sunday if we're still here. Watch out for the federales and Democrats, Republicans, rhinos, and God help us. Extendivite has proven time and again, it really works. Here's a testimonial from Amazon.com. I am only 40, but I have put my body through hell working in manufacturing for 20 years. I recently started to notice a buzzing feeling along with a stuttering sensation with my heart. I had a full cardio stress done, which I passed. I decided to try Extendivite after getting the jingle stuck in my head. Halfway through the bottle, I really did notice a difference. After getting home from work, I would just sit in a chair for a few hours feeling like crap, and this stuff reduced that feeling along with heart discomfort to almost nothing. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-D-R-O-P.com. 